These are crazy times. Everybody's apart and personally I miss squeezing people and physically seeing people. But our sponsors on Post still give you loads of ways to stay connected. So for that I am very thankful. Sun coming in through the window, creating a round for a Zoom pub quiz that totally messes with people's heads. And rice pudding, ideally with a little bit of skin on it. There are a million things that I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? I love that we as humans got the whole story, story thing. To the, the point of like holding on to a story and telling that story to, to someone else. Welcome to Thanks A Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneaky look at my guest's gratitude list to find out the things that have shaped their lives. This week we speak to spoken word artist, poet, rapper and podcasting legend, George the Poet. His show, Have You Heard George's Podcast, has won five British Podcast Awards and has also been recently nominated for a Peabody Award. That's big, lads. That's very big. The first ever British, actually the first ever European podcast to be nominated for such an accolade good word. George isn't all about the hype though, which I absolutely love. He has stuck to his principles throughout his career, even turning down an MBE. Mm -hmm, More on that later. But before we chat to George, it is time to hear from you. Over on Instagram, we're still doing Thanks A Million Trio. Mm -hmm, I think we might continue to do it. So, Here are a few of the things that you're thankful for. And again, if you haven't done this before, I basically will post a little, here's what I'm grateful for today, you know, just to get you moving. And then you respond. Rach Robinson. No, Rach Robbins Oliver. One, I drank green tea, rank, but I've heard it has benefits. I'll get back to you on that one. I think this is so retro. I mean, we're on to Lion's Mane, we're on to matcha, but no, green tea. There's also a vomiting face emoji, but mm, hopefully we didn't get to that. Two, plant potting. I'm now a garden boar, but it's so calming and addictive. I have to tell you, I'm a garden boar too. I absolutely love it. And I love whipping out the hose and watering the grass. I know I shouldn't, but I do. Three, catching the last rays of sun in the garden while my hubby put our highly strung, exhausting, but one of a kind boy to bed. Thankful. This one is from Louise. Love this. I'm grateful for being able to do yoga every day, not just the odd time each week when I can squeeze it in. For spending time, having fun with my family. And lastly, I'm grateful for being able to spend some time on the house and garden, feeling really fulfilled, I know, and old. (laughs) It is hard. You're like, oh, oh, my dicky up that fence. Oh, yeah, the thrill of it. Rob Cole Pierce, having the morning for a long walk with my wife and our dog while the teen sleeps. This truly is our escape from everyday homeschooling and lockdown and has now increased to over five miles across fields and woods. Oh, that sounds lovely. To FaceTime, being able to chat with my mum and cheer her up as she's isolated in Cornwall and going through it. Plus, having a lockdown quiz night on a Friday night is a great joy. It is tricky when you're away from parents and... I mean, I think it's tricky for them as well, suddenly being told by us, do not move, do not leave the house, which obviously is the right thing and is the safe thing and is the sensible thing. But it is, um, yeah, it's hard for for all involved. Three, catching up with films I haven't had the chance to see before. Here's a, a list. Free Fire, 71 and The Wedding Guest. They're his recent favourites. Seriously. Ooh, there's a man walking down the road. This is very unusual and this will really resonate with Irish people, but he's doing what I would, what we would refer to as a killing a scully walk. (laughs) Straight legs, arms pumping. He's got his iPod, I'd say it's an iPod, on his left arm, jazzy pair of glasses. He is not going to break into a run anytime soon, but the pace is wicked. Right, what else have we got here? Oh, Legend, Legend, 86, my husband 
and his recent home support was I Go To Work. Two, a £2.49 old charity shop purchase of 1,000 classic cocktails. I hope you're whacking through them. I've recently had some gin. My friend's mother makes gin. Welsh gin. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, man cycling there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly, my granny died at 93 and we used to laugh at her, not laugh at her, like in a loving way because she would say, oh, another one gone, gone up the road there. She lived beside the beach. So, you know, they were the last house before the beach. There wasn't exactly an enormous footfall or traffic. And so she would go, hmm, another one gone up the road there now. And I'm basically doing that. It's quite satisfying, actually. Back to La Ginge. All my mum's hard graft to give me opportunities in life so that now I'm living comfortably despite all the world's current problems. Free gaff, you lucky witch. Anyway, those are some of them. Keep sharing them. Use the hashtag Thanks a Million Trio or just get me at Angela Scanlon and, and share them. They're so good for our little souls. Now, shall we crack on to the show? Oh, there's another one gone up. Another one gone up there now. Car top down. Oh, yeah. Jesus. All the style, huh? Okay, so it's the day after you've been nominated for... Are you asking me? Or are you go on. Oh, no, go on. You say it. Um, a Peabody Award. It's a big award. It's in the US. It's for storytelling. This is the very first British, actually, it's the first European podcast to be nominated. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and ha has it sunk in? Do you like, I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of you that's um, resistant to the formality, maybe, or the the fanfare around that. Does, that does it feel a little bit like against the grain for you to go, mm, thank you, I'll take, I'll take it. You know, hopefully when we get there. Um, it does. But the reason I start today, going back to what we were just saying, I start with this today because I am really thankful, even mm. though the fanfare is a bit uncomfortable. So that is what you're thankful for today. Yeah. And um, it's, it wasn't just, that wasn't the only piece of good news that we received. I, I, I also was awarded a visionary I know the Peabody's is more famous than the Visionaries, but I don't want to just brush it to the side. That like that did just happen, and that was a a big moment. So I'm 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 grateful. I'm very thankful for the accolades that the podcast is receiving. And it's interesting because obviously you kind of left music and 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 followed poetry as as your chosen art form. But I would think that for a lot of people poetry feels if they don't understand it they're not quite mm. allowed to to comment on it because you know for fear that they haven't quite gotten all of the nuance and the hidden meanings because when you learn it in school you know you read a poem you think you know what midterm break is about you know mm. by Seamus Heaney and then suddenly there's all of these these different layers yeah yeah um that's why I gotta give credit to the GCSEs because mm -hmm. What it actually is, what I really experienced was um, a change in definition of poetry. Okay. I, I realised, because I had been a rapper for five years, and I, I always talk about that in my work and in my interviews, um, but it really is significant in understanding why poetry worked for me as a career move or as a form of expression. Rap gave me the basic tools of being creative with language in a way that was relevant to my generation. Mm -hmm. Taught me how to rhyme, taught me how to rhyme in time, um, taught me how to use images, how to use my environment. But when I realised that the majority of people that I wanted to communicate with, they would have to like my music in order for me to give them my message, that, that, just, that seemed like an unnecessary potential barrier the music because not everyone is into was into gram or rap at the time okay right. so the melody essentially became a barrier for people to listen to what your message was it wasn't even a melody it was the tempo it was too fast okay okay it was too fast it was hyper active hyper masculine just a very macho culture and it was yeah it's fun when you're a teenager but when you start forming your 
worldview and you're really intoxicated with the idea of sharing it with people to help what was going on around you, you just feel like it's unnecessary. There's no, there's no need to have all of the energy that rap and grime came with. I just wanted a conversation and that's when it became sure. poetry. Okay. Wow. And so when, when at that point you were saying that that kind of barrier that if people aren't into the tempo or the masculinity of it, who, who were you trying to reach? I would imagine trying to talk to your whole family. So you're just trying to, you're just trying to make a statement that you can, that will be appropriate for your parents and will resonate with your siblings. That's, that's the, that was the general idea. It wasn't that I wanted to be the preeminent voice of the streets. A lot of people call, used to call me the voice of the streets and associate me with the street environment, maybe because I talk about it a lot, right? But yeah. I also wanted, wanted it to go both ways in the sense that if I'm going to university um, and I'm meeting a lot of people that are not from the same background as me, I want them to hear what I'm saying as clearly as someone in the streets would. Mm-hmm. Um, conscious you, you you in one of the episodes I think it was one of quite an early episode and you were talking about as a young guy I mean you're young now obviously but like as a younger guy in in school nicknamed busy for you know mm. wasn't around you said that at the time that you you decided to consciously transform where did I suppose where did that come from and what did that look like because for, you know, I get, I'm guessing, in, and it didn't say what age you were, but I was guessing you were like, you know, 15, 16. Yeah, I was. Wow, you really, really listened. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was 15, 16, and it, it was basically a calculation. I looked at our current our situation as young, aspiring rappers, young black boys from the inner city, trying to find our place in society, who we could be with complete authenticity, who we could be. A lot of us felt like in order to have a successful career and seamlessly integrate with society, yeah, you, you, you're going to have to talk different from how you how we grow up talking and you're going to have to yeah. do something that you might not want, that might not, you know, that you might not want to do. And I don't think that we're the only people in society that felt that. I think a lot of young people feel that in general. So we had definitely right. So we so we had those anxieties, yeah. and I was trying to figure out what identity or what persona would work for me, who I wanted to be. There were elements. Everyone around me had elements of things that I liked, but no one no one was everything in one person, or very few people were everything in one person. So, for example, some of the local guys who I looked up to because they were big names locally, they might not be. There was a lot of insecurity in our community, financial insecurity, identity, uh, politics. There was a lot of crime. So all of these pervasive forces compromised people in my eyes. And I just didn't want to be compromised. So that's when I came up with this idea that if there was a way of me speaking to the condition of the community in a way that is familiar and genuine to the, and fair to the community, then that's who I'm going to become. And at that time, when I was about 15, I imagined that that would be either a lawyer or an MP. I didn't think it would be a poet. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that was the image of somebody who was, you know, um, successful, I suppose, who had yeah. risen. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, did that like and again sorry just I think it was the term conscious transformation that really um that really struck me because it's something that I'm kind of really interested in I'm obsessed with this guy called Dr Joe Dispenza who talks about like literally changing your habits changing your subconscious to change your personality and this idea that we kind of get really entrenched and stuck and and um convinced that our environment completely creates us and dictates who we have to be and actually that term I was like how the fuck did he know that at 15 years of age and what did that look like was it an act of you know was it meditation or was it just going you know I'm gonna use Mm -hmm. something negative and turn it into a, a thing that drives me very interesting man 
So I, I guess I imagine a lunchbox. Hit I, me with the lunchbox analogy. <laughs> actual lunchbox. <laughs> I, I wanted to collect experiences, insight, expertise, skills that I could just carry that, you know, like, that I could put in this lunchbox and just, just, just take, you know, t- take what I needed on a day-to-day basis. So if I'm going out into the world, I need to be able to defend myself. I need to be able to negotiate. I need to be able to think on my feet because of the environment I'm in. All of these things was the reality of being 15 in, in my part of Northwest London. Yeah. I, th- th- there was a level of survival that, that was, was not guaranteed, so you got you had to kind of be creative, but at the same time, I wanted to. I felt like the more I I grew through my GCSEs and my A levels, the more I I learned things that I really feel we should have been taught much earlier in life. I started studying sociology. They had all these theories about how the classroom works and how society, how social interactions work, and if people are responsible for their individual choices or the environment has a much bigger part to play. I was like, I, w- I would have appreciated ha- having access to these conversations when we needed them, you know, I'm, you, you know what I mean? But we became teenagers and people made decisions without this information that changed their lives. As children, you know, my friends were going to jail four years of your yeah. life when you're, you're like 15 years old. And what you did, again, going back to individual agency versus structural influence the things that you did were not unique to you some tens of thousands of people did that that year and they all had similar situations as you so i guess from 15 to 17 i was like i need intellectual self-defense i need cultural self-defense otherwise no one is going to have all the answers for me Amazing. I like the lunchbox. I'm imagining you like a Mary Poppins type. Exactly. (laughs) Bag of tricks. (laughs) What is your thank you next? (laughs) So my my university experience is actually my thank you next. Okay, really? And there was one moment in particular, probably in my final year, where I was like, I don't think I'm made for this, for this particular grind, the academic grind. I wouldn't say my whole uni career was a disaster. It definitely wasn't. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. But Mm -hmm. it was hard. (laughs) It was so hard. And it wasn't hard because of the academia alone. I feel like my A-levels were harder. Okay, so it wasn't about the workload. No, but the workload was was criminal. That that okay. was that was very difficult. But mm-hmm. I felt quite isolated. I struggled. It, I I learned. That's when I came out of education, very clear on the fact that people learn in different ways, and the way I was educated throughout high school and university, we really need to find more diverse ways of learning mm. and that's that's what that's what really like made me aware actually of how much I had learned through rap music alone yeah. just through rap and I say rap because it was so, it's been such a big part of my life forever and obviously it's been the foundation of my career I find it interesting that almost 10 years after I started uni I now have a career that is based on a craft that no one could have taught me in class. Yeah. yeah. No one could have, I didn't. I didn't read a single book about... I didn't read a book about rap until I was like 21. Not, that's not because I wanted to learn the craft. It's because I was curious about some of the stories and the people. So what does that mean for how we learn? And when you think about all the other bits of... Like things that might be in your lunchbox that yeah. you picked up <laughs> from conversation and you picked up from social interaction and repeatedly engaging with the stories around you, the narratives, the ideas. There, there's so much that is just, it's, it's too vast or it happens too fast f- for it to be caught in a book. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I, I remember um, speaking to a, 
a career guidance teacher. Mm. And again, you know, we place so much um, weight and importance on teachers to kind of steer us in in life, you know, mm. and they're supposed to know where to send us. Mm. And yeah, I sat with a career guidance teacher and she, you know, I ticked a few boxes, what I was interested in, what I didn't like, what subject I was good at. She's like, oh yeah, you're good with people. You should be a nurse. And it was literally mm. like, you know, I've added these numbers up and this is the mm. profession that's been spat out. And I remember thinking, fuck, that is like, honestly, not for me. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, and even my mom, who was so well-meaning, I remember coming home from having done a bit of travelling and feeling like... um completely, completely lost and I'd studied business at college and, mm. um, you know, my all of my peers had done like loads of different things and she was like, well, what are they all doing? And I was like, I like I don't care what they're all doing. It doesn't fit and it doesn't mm. feel right. And in a way, you're kind of having to succeed in spite yeah. or, or despite the lack of guidance instead of because somebody yeah. has been able to. Yeah. If, does that make sense? It's yeah, quite it's an not. inarticulate way of putting it, but you're kind of having to like fight your way through and forge and create a path without ever, without somebody really, you know, guiding you, I yeah. guess. And it's really confusing because you are told or you're influenced to believe that there is a right and a wrong answer. Mm, yeah. You know, someone, yeah. like I'm, like I said, I thought that my, my path to becoming, you know, influential in my community would be through law or politics. You can hear how institutional I was, institutionalized I was by the time mm-hmm. I was 15 to think that. Because yeah. I'm a poet that has nothing to do with either, yet it allows me to incorporate as much of what I wanted as I wanted. Yeah. Also, I guess, you know, it's maybe a parent's way of protecting. You know, they're like, if you sat down and said, I want to be a poet, it's like, yeah, but you're basically saying you want to be a fairy. (laughs) You know, it's like, how are you going to pay, how are you going to pay your rent, pal? You're doing law, get with it. You know, you're a bright kid, forget about that nonsense. (laughs) Um, So it's like, comes from a good place, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the episodes I loved, you spoke to a neuro, neuroscientist and a psychologist who had done, maybe the, was it a psychologist or a psychotherapist? They sound the same. Um, they had studied rap and you said you learned mm. so much from rap. What are the things that you, you learned? Rap comes with a skill set and that skill set can, that it can include writing or performing mm-hmm. or both. Within those, within those um, skills are just... It's, it's, it's like a universe of your own expression. So what story do you want to tell? How do you want to communicate? Now, when you learn raps from a young age, you're absorbing other people's story. So you have a very, very intimate, very descriptive picture of the inside of someone's mind. Yeah. And then the music... You know what the music does, isn't it? The music just 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 makes the whole thing vibrate within yourselves, like literally sound vibrations. You're just undergoing a very, very involved and intimate exchange when you listen to rap music. And then you start performing it. You have to find your voice. Many of us start off by imitating someone. Then we move on to um, having a, a few gimmicks that we become known for. That rabbit hole took me to a hybrid form of expression where it's partly what I was learning in school because academia was such a big part of my life and partly the changes that I was experiencing in the community at, and at that age. And I just don't know how I would have reconciled those two worlds if it wasn't for the expressive form of rap. Mm-hmm. The thank fuck for this. Yeah, I had a list of these and I thought, let me, let me, let me see which one. Really we can have wins. a couple. Can have a couple. 
Um, yeah, there's no rules. True, true, true. The first one was the sun. Because first the, I thought the actual sun. The actual sun. The actual sun. Lovely. <laughs> no other sun. At first, I, I was really grateful for the weather, but then I was like, you know, the sun just comes up. Or well, obviously, it doesn't actually come up, but it it appears to rise in our sky every yeah. single day. COVID. This, this is what I was saying about appreciating what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. COVID has, has put the world in such a weird place. We're, we're all behaving in such an unprecedented way that I can see how feasible it is that for some, like one day the sun doesn't appear, doesn't make an appearance. Yeah. Not feasible, but like how we would behave, how like the, the, the mental process that we would have to go through to like adjust to that and to try and explain it to ourselves. So much of what we believe about ourselves and about our existence is because the sun, you know what I mean? Yeah. We were able to figure out time, exactly. Seasons, years, like the sun. So the sun was my first name. I love that one. Yeah. Also, it was a full moon last night. It was, and it was gorgeous. Did you see, did you look at it? It was amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm very much into all of that stuff, but like, I think, yeah, I, I, it's funny. It is that kind of idea. Yeah, like nobody has ever given me the sun before. So thank you for that, George. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna rest on that answer then, because I thought that would just be, yeah. uh, George is being. No, George. I love that. But go on. I want to hear another one. I always get nervous when I show people just how weird I am. So go on, hit me with your weirdness. Um, open that lunchbox alright here it goes alright so I love that we as humans got the whole story story thing to the, the point of like holding on to a story and telling that story to, to someone else that has saved us a lot of time and a lot of headache the reason this even occurred to me is because I was actually thinking how thankful I was for electricity and electricity exists within our bodies right yeah so humans yeah. have been if if the oldest human remains are like 120,000 years old. 120,000 years ago, electricity was on this earth in us. Okay, so we were a bit slow off the mark, really. <laughs> <laughs> Getting it into the old light bulb. <laughs> and the reason we can appreciate that joke is because we have the ability to, to tell stories, to, tell us, to explain to ourselves what yeah. is going on around us, and to share that information with each other. Okay, the thanks that got away. The thanks that got away. This took me. Um, this took me back to Uganda. Okay. Uh, there was. Um, I, I I spent some time in you. I spent like five months in Uganda when I was younger. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And there was. Um, How young? Teenager. Okay. Um, and there was a there was a um, a domestic worker who worked in the place where I stayed. We struck up a friendship in a society in which domestic workers don't usually that kind of dynamic doesn't develop. Right? People don't become friends okay. with with uh, the cleaners and the helpers around around their accommodation. But okay. uh, I found her so helpful. I found her very interesting and charismatic. And she fell out with the landlord of the place that I was um, staying at. One day she just wasn't there anymore. Oh, and I, I just haven't seen her in, yeah, about, yeah, over a decade. Yeah, I just never, I never thanked her for how much easier she made my time there. Because I wasn't, I wasn't able to be as independent as I am now. You know, I wasn't, mm. I didn't have a life in, in Kampala in that way. So. What did you learn? I learned that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I learned that Kampala is a very fun, loving place, sometimes mm. to their detriment, <laughs> which makes it fun. But you, mm-hmm. you just got to be careful, man. Okay. It's a bit wild. It's just unregulated. Okay. It's a little bit, yeah, it's a bit like the Wild West in some senses. There's a level of freedom and euphoria that you feel that you that you couldn't get in a more organised society, frankly. <laughs> Did that feel like home in a way? 
Yeah, man. It sounds a bit like the Wild West in Ireland. Like there's, you know, my dad's from the the west of Ireland. Okay. A place called Bell Mullet. And, and I'm sure it's in a, in a very different way. But when I go there, yeah, there's just a mischief and an openness to uh, breaking the rules. That's mm. not, it's, it's not seen as a bad thing to break the rules. It's an invitation. A rule is an invitation to break it. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. That sounds familiar. You know? That sounds very Kampala. It's like, it's, but I can see, like, my mum and I used to have debates about this a lot. A lot of people go to Uganda and mm-hmm. fall in love. And I was trying to explain to her that I, I felt like it was something deeper. Um, and her, her scepticism was from the fact that there, I, having grown up in London, there are comforts that I cannot live without. There are assurances and securities that I am, I, I just could not live without. And the older I get, the more I, the more I appreciate that, especially in the in the context of coronavirus, but at the same time, that love, that passion. Uganda and I have a very passionate relationship. If it was a woman, we would like we. It would be almost a toxic relationship. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'd, yeah, yeah. We'd love each other addictive. passionately. Yeah, it's addictive, but at the same time, it's, it's very hard to build a, a, a foundation on that kind of passion. You need you need a little more sobriety a, a bit more sense <laughs> a bit yeah, more predictability yeah, i see um i i just in, in my image of of your mom and again um the there's references in in your podcast about your mbe did you know you you mentioned that when you got the call to say that you had been offered an MBE, which you subsequently declined mm. or turned down, I don't know what the terminology is or the correct terminology is, mm. um, that you the immediately you saw your your parents, yeah. and that's what made you say yes in initially. Yeah, that's exactly what made me say yes. Yeah, when I received the MBE um, or the offer. The furthest I could think was 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 my parents, mm. and if there were more difficult questions to be asked, I didn't want to hear that at that moment. I didn't want to go there, but I'd learned so much. Again, this is the advantage of being fortunate enough to have a career in which you kind of freestyle and see what works. What mm. has always worked for me is um, just aiming to be as clear as possible. Clarity has served me well in my career. So all of the, the, the slightly messy feelings that would have been kicked up by those awkward questions, you know, how would your grandfather feel about this, given that he basically, his life was cut short as a result of British meddling. What exactly does it mean to have those letters after your name for the rest of your life? To what extent did you aspire to this when you were younger? The answers to those questions um, would have led me to quite messy feelings. And um, I needed clarity. <laughs> I did. So it took me a couple of weeks to clear my head and to think without the emotion of my parents in the, in, in the situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so yeah. you, you, your, parent, your parents would wanted you to accept it? They would have wanted it, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because it's the ultimate badge, right? Exactly, exactly. So I get like, I again, I'm into stories. I love the ability for us as humans to share stories. I don't know if any animal, I don't know the extent to which animals do that. But so I get my parents' story. They came over here Mm. with little to nothing, and now you know one of their kids receiving an MBE. Yeah, one generation. Yeah, it's great. It's a good. That's success. Yeah, it's it's very rewarding. It's it's rewarding for them as well, isn't it? Yeah. So. And so, but you denied them that. Yeah. Again, in the in the interest of clarity, my parents understand my politics. I've had long conversations with them about decisions that I'm going to make career-wise, or events that have happened in politics, African, European, otherwise, you know, they they understand. So in the interest of clarity, 
and for me to be the person that I am in all of those conversations, I would have had to, um, I would have had to reconcile all of these messy feelings. And yeah, okay. the more I, I more, more I investigated them, the more I realized that there was a there was a contradiction in in the in the word empire for me personally. That's not a blanket statement on every black person or anyone from a, col- a, a, a former colony, but um, mm. for me. Yeah. And does it feel like it would have um, would have compromised or, or, or undermined your position or anything that you said after the fact that actually people, it would be more difficult for you to take a position with those letters after your name? Do you know what, I, it, in, 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 in the minds of a lot of people, it would have been, definitely. Mm. For me, if I wanted it, I would have accepted that contradiction. There are other contradictions okay. I tolerate in my life, in my persona, in my behaviour. Not many things in life are clear-cut. Mm-hmm. But you have to use those grey areas sparingly. Me personally, I wouldn't want a life that is full of you know, relativism and what I'm like, oh, how do I feel today? How do I feel specific to this situation? How do I feel relative to the check that these people are going to give me? Some things you should really fight, push for clarity for. <laughs> that's, my, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, and, okay. And that and, was and... something that was quite clear cut. The big thank you. I am... Um really uh really thankful for my sister she's a little younger than me she just became a mum. oh congratulations so this is your little nephew this is my nephew okay and um we had a bit of a scare because she contracted coronavirus oh wow and um it wasn't an easy birth at all generally the rates of um black women experiencing complications Mm. at birth it's just just crazy it's like four times Mm the national average or four times their white counterparts. It was a very nerve-wracking experience, man. Just staring into that abyss, hearing not great news after not great news. And she pulled through. She blessed us with um, a healthy little boy earlier than scheduled. She just continues to be a ray of light. And it's, it's hard, isn't it? Like you're just into motherhood. Mm-hmm. Is this her first baby? Yeah. Okay. And how how old is the baby? Baby is about just turned a month. Oh, so this is brand new. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow. And is she okay? Um. Yeah, she's all right. She's good. Yeah. She's good. She's good. She's good. And the little boy? He's good as well. He's good. good. His dad, bless him, was you know was, was a stressful time, but everyone is. Uh... Yeah, but yeah. Her having to adjust to motherhood in in a lockdown where you mm. anticipated having a lot, you know, we've got a big family, it's supposed to be a lot of people around her. Yeah, it's not easy, but she continues to do an amazing job and make us all smile. So that's my amazing. Big Oh, that's lovely. Um, oh, congratulations. How many nephews do you have? I know you mentioned nephews. I don't know if there are nieces as well, are there? Um, where are all the nieces? Where are all the nieces? I have no nieces. And I have a no. few nephews. They, being around them, just changed the course of my career. <laughs> oh, really? In what way? Um, in a couple, in a, a few years ago, I took them to... to I just went traveling with them quite a bit. I took them to Disney World. Then I took them to Uganda. These are all in their holidays. I'm not just a crazy uncle. Just (laughs) come up to their schedule. Pull on the out of school. (laughs) An education of a different kind. (laughs) But um, first of all, listening to their conversations with each other, they were like, you know, older than toddlers. They were like between eight and five at the time. They were, you know, they were just mastering language and they were learning so much about the world as they constantly are um, that they gave me well they removed a lot of the uh, strictures that I have as a, as a grown up mm-hmm. 
just listening to just just understanding how they process information they allowed me to reconnect with something very fundamental within myself so that was powerful but also yeah. going to disney world um allowed me to reconnect with with my childhood yeah and in my childhood i, I just found i don't know i found a lot of stuff man i found a lot i remember learning falling in love in it if if that's the first time like you experience everything i i fell in love with music fell in love with stories fell in love with imagination this is all the things that disney world reminded me of um mm-hmm. and and long story short all that experience led to the podcast no way so what as in h- how um well i had an amateur recording kit with me when i took them to uganda Right. And I was just pushing myself to come up with something to to write, but being around them made me realize that the format I was working with, three to five minute poems or songs, was too restrictive for me. Yeah, I wanted to feel the Disney thing, so I started processing information. I started trying to construct stories in a way that would give me the Disney feeling, and okay. and because I'm talking to these. Um, kids all day I start thinking a bit more like a kid you know I start mm-hmm. removing like I'm saying the strictures so if I want to make a point about the criminal justice system maybe I can go into a prison and switch it like to a seaside resort and then bring in some lyrics from my favorite rap song and some you know a speech from the justice secretary these are techniques that are, that I found in Disney films Okay. and cartoons and animation the way they bend reality and the way they yeah. speak to your intuition without without always being logical and linear that was yeah. those were the guiding principles of the podcast so there's like a a play and a freedom to yeah. it that actually doesn't exist in a lot of in a lot of podcasts but in a lot of storytelling in general that that there's those those restrictions there's a beginning a middle and an end and actually in yours there's multiple yeah, yeah. Beginnings. It's just, and... it's, it's just like animation. In animation, anything can happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you know exactly what they're trying to make you see. Disney, that is unexpected. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have felt the nonconformist in you would have rejected Disney out of hand. Yeah, I, d- I did that. I did that for years. I did that for like 10 years. For like 10 yeah. years, I was like, you know, you know Disney is bad. Disney, everything mm. about Disney. It's toxic. Corporation. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just able to add to that narrative. I was I was able to take all of the downsides of Disney, just like I do with rap music. Yeah. Look at them against what I know in my body, in my soul, mm-hmm. what it has been able to allow me, you know, what it's opened my eyes to. The gift that you are most grateful for? My answers are so corny, but they're true. Um, Go with the truth. I'm grateful for my health. This is the only body that I can experience this world through. And, you know, I appreciate having a lucid mind. I've been reading a lot about dementia. Um, just out of interest or is it a uh, is there a history of it in your family or just just out of curiosity I suppose I think it's one of those things that hovers in the back of my mind whenever I hear someone going through caring for a parent who's you know whose mind is not what what it used to be those stories just just stick with me and I, I just can't shake the the concern that I wouldn't know what to do in that situation yeah as as a as a as, somebody caring for a yeah. parent or as somebody experiencing it, caring for a parent. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people going through that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's tough. Are you health conscious? I try and be. I'm not an angel. Yeah. I try. I, I think about what I eat. Mm-hmm. Try and exercise when I can. Yeah balance mm-hmm. good good um okay finally the hashtag blessed moment no nah, that's that's too naughty 
Can't see that. Go on. <laughs> Go on. You can. We'll edit it out. <laughs> we won't. I would say there was someone who uh, was was very difficult to reach for a while, who had something that I really, really needed. Right. And like a jumper or something. Um. Like money. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so they owed you cash? Yeah, they owed me a lot of money. Right. And uh, okay. that was 100% resolved, like very unexpectedly. Um, and now I'm like, oh, there's no punchline to that story. It's just literally been on my mind. Okay. That I, like that is that was uh, settled and that is great and so that was like did you do you believe in throwing things out to the universe was that like oh had you just kind of let it go I was at I was at a point where I was like looking at my options okay because I felt like Covid was gonna throw everything into array and that this 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 thing might never get resolved Mm. but uh, it was and it appeared and no one had to lose their cool and it all worked fantastic that's a perfect one yeah that's a perfect one yeah um before we wrap up i want to ask so the ambition is mentioned quite frequently mm. you know throughout the two series actually of of your podcast um you know that kind of sense of you as a busy teenager with the side hustle um mm. but also that kind of you know wild wild unashamed and that's that's feels like I'm frowning upon it I'm also very ambitious and I sometimes find people um use that word almost as a weapon against you but you know I I think there's like a wild sense of ambition that you have and that you you speak about openly what is the ultimate ambition for you do you think um I would love to have like my own um physical estate housing estate I have ideas about like a new social housing model Okay. I was just, I think it would really work. <laughs> so, can you talk me through it? That the way social housing currently works, reflective of the way a lot of welfare and social care works, in the sense that it doesn't anticipate the growth of the user. Right? In a lot of social care, the welfare, the welfare, welfare provisions, they're kind of designed like people in unfortunate circumstances just need enough to stay afloat or to, to keep, you know, like they, they need provisions just to keep going. Yeah. Or sustenance. Yeah. Sustain, just mm. sustain them. Exactly. Yeah. Having been a rapper forever. I feel like a lot of beautiful things and a lot of growth comes from difficult situations. A lot of the beautiful art that we make out of our difficult situations really has 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 worldwide ripple effects these days. Yeah. I couldn't have said that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But now we're doing we're doing a very good job of telling our story like me nominated for a Peabody Award when um, all I did was, you know, give a Disney twist to (laughs) my experiences. Yeah. And that's just a fraction of what's happening. Uh, In the time, in in the past, I think three years, four years, the UK rap, the percentage of of rap music sales in this country the market share that is UK has ballooned from like 15% to about 42%. And it's an innovation that came from 
a particular environment. Yeah. Now, what if that innovation was anticipated? Because it's happened. Like every generation of inner city young people since the 70s have come up mm. with a world, you know, a cultural movement that went on to have a worldwide impact. Yeah. From two tone to jungle to raven to garage to grime, grime yeah. funky house rap. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep innovating. So it shouldn't be surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. We should expect that. We should invest in that proactively. You know what I mean? I did, I I know there's a social housing model in there somewhere. It's been on my mind for like five years. So almost like you know, this is maybe a stretch, but like a Silicon Valley incubator type situation. Yeah, I think it's possible, man. I'm, I like the way you're thinking. I think that's quite beautiful. You don't think I'm and crazy? I think you'll do it. I think you're a bit crazy, but I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> Big thank you to George there so much to get your little noggins around you can listen to have you heard George's podcast wherever you get your podcast now if this has sparked some ideas about what you were thankful for this week do drop them to me with the hashtag thanks a million trio or at Angela Scanlon on all the social media outlets that are currently relevant to today's population bar TikTok which I have avoided like the plague we are dropping new episodes every single week you can get them here first and for nothing when you subscribe via 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 Apple Podcasts Spotify or on your smart speaker of choice I'm happy to say Alexa specifically if they pay me (laughs) joke ish and if you're loving the show please do write us a review on apple podcast it is so so helpful i've said this before i used to feel desperate doing it i used to feel a bit needy it really fed into a part of me that was not comfortable asking for help it made me feel exposed and vulnerable but you know what i am leaning in go and write the review i will be very very grateful for you all and it helps people like you to find the podcast and that is the most important thing I love doing it also get on your whatsapp groups you can share it that way some people don't know what podcasts are so yeah maybe you can help them lose their virginity Thanks again to George, to my wonderful producer, Sarah Miles at Rethink Audio for her patience and encouragement. And to you for listening. Thanks a million. Have a lovely week. Our friends at OnPost sponsor this podcast and I am genuinely thankful that in loads of ways they are helping people stay connected at a time when we all have to be apart. 